things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy. Uh, coming at you. This is Stephen A. Smith, yours truly. Coming at you as I love to do, usually every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but sometimes more because I always have a lot on my mind and a lot of things that I want to say. Usually I'm in my studios, but I'm on the road in Austin, Texas on this particular day. Although normally we're in my studio, thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the No Mercy podcast. Also, let me not forget that gold is the silver bullet for protecting and building your wealth. Call my friends at Legacy Precious Metals at 866-257-3080 or download your free investing kit by visiting them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. This is not going to be a long opening monologue because it's not necessary. We all know what's been transpiring over the last several weeks. We know that we've had at least four mass shootings. Recognize that a mass shooting is described as four or more people being shot other than the shooter themselves. There's been four mass shootings in the last week alone. There's been 71 mass shootings in the first six and a half weeks of the new year. And one of them took place this past February 13th on the campus of Michigan State University. Three people were killed. Five people were injured. The gunman the coward that he is, was ultimately surrounded by police off campus and ended up taking his own life. And as a result of that, he's left lives of loved ones, family members, and obviously of an institution like Michigan State University, along with institutions across the United States of America, completely ravaged and flummoxed and perplexed as to why or how something could happen particularly a shooter shooting folks in one building and then ending up getting to another building about a mile away before shooting others. That's the situation that we're talking about. That's the situation that we're in. Of course, there's a lot more to get into with our next guest, who's one of the elite college basketball coaches to ever grace the sport. He's a champion. Uh, he's gone to seven Final Four appearances. He's one of the great coaches in the history of the game. He's also the face of Michigan State University, an ambassador for the game of college basketball, um, and an all-around statesman who obviously has a lot to say, not just about this incident, but on a lighter note about the state of college basketball, the state of college sports, um, along with some other tidbits that I'm sure he will, he will not be shy about adding. His name is Tom Izzo, the national champion for Michigan State University Spartans basketball team. He's up next with yours truly, right here with Stephen A. On No Mercy. Don't touch that dot.
This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Ladies and gentlemen, I've known this man for quite some time. Um, and I continuously have raved about him as one of the greatest coaches I've ever known, I've ever seen. Uh, he's been at Michigan State, if I remember correct, I think it's about 28 years now. Um, there are seven Final Four appearances on his resume. Of course, there's a national championship. This is one of the greatest coaches we have ever seen in the history of college basketball. The head coach for the Michigan State Spartans, the one and only Tom Izzo. What's up, coach? How are you, buddy? How's everything? Stephen A., I wish you'd call my wife and tell her all those things. Maybe I'd get dinner <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> um, listen, with a, as gorgeous as she is, I'm sorry, Coach. You're going to have to pay for dinner forever. Forever. You're going to have to just deal with that. that I mean, it, it, it pays to have a great, great wife like yours. First of all, first order of business, let me say this on a serious note. How are you? I mean, I've watched you. I've seen you. Knowing you the way that I do over the last uh, over the last few years, uh, just just see your face and what you've been going through in the aftermath of the shooting at Michigan State, where three people ended up killed, five people were injured uh, this past February thirteenth. Uh, you've been operating with a heavy heart. It, it, it's very very clear over the last few days or so. How are you doing? Well, first of all, I appreciate you noticing, I guess, but staying in touch too the way you do. I. It's been different, you know. I mean, uh, I said Judd Heathcote did not give me a blueprint uh, as my mentor on uh, how to handle some of these things. And so it's it's been day-to-day -day off the cuff, and uh, so many people are involved with something like this and the families. And, you know, I've been to the hospital to visit the uh, the five that are still in there. And uh, it's uh, – Today they had a big rally on campus just for parents to come back and walk their kids through classrooms and mm -hmm. it's it's surreal is what it is but it's uh it's something that we had to deal with and I've been here long enough that I've got to be in the middle of most of it. Yeah. Well, listen, the bottom line is you're the face of Michigan State, you know. Obviously football is king in a lot of people's eyes when it comes to college sports, but coaches have come and gone at Michigan State. Not when it comes to their basketball program. You've been the face of that basketball program for the last 28 years. Uh, Judd Heathcote, like you alluded to him, your mentor was there before you did a lot uh, for you, did a tremendous amount for the program, won the national championship himself. Let's not forget that. Uh, but anything that happens, anytime somebody mentions Michigan State, they think about Tom Izzo. So specifically, knowing the role that you have to play, could you crystallize for a lot of people out there the kind of things that you've had to endure since the shooting took place on February 13th? Well, you know, I had the privilege and the honor to speak at the vigil, and that was uh, incredible. Um, you know, our governor, our president, and, and a lonely basketball coach. But um, it, was, it was uplifting to see a community uh, come together. You know, it was uh, uh, this, this shooting affected everybody. There were white people, black people, Chinese people. Um, you know, we kind of covered everybody. And uh, and so those all those different groups of people uh, came that night, especially the people in our community. And it was, um, that was special, you know. And then when that happens, you get asked to go to the hospital and, and try to meet with the parents of some of the kids. And, uh, you know, just... Like I said, you 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 have an incredible um, 
fan base and following. And, but that gives you an incredible responsibility too. And I think I've gone through the same thing where there's a platform there. But as you know, this day and age, it's hard to pick and choose what you do and you say in your platform. Mm-hmm. You've got to be consistent. And uh, mine was that, uh, you know, I, it just pains me to see what's going on in our country. And yeah. uh, I followed you a lot through all the different things with the police and the different aspects of yeah. things. And yeah. I, I, I agree with a lot of things you say. And I think maybe guys like me and you should, we'll get magic and a few others and band together and change this place a little bit. Yeah, I'm all for it. I'm in, I'm in it. You know, I got love and respect for you. We talk all the time. Uh, there's a lot of times we've had a lot of conversation, a lot of counsel I've received from you. I certainly don't consider myself as wise as you. Um, and we know how I feel about the great Irvin Magic Johnson and how much I love him and anything, anything that we can do uh, to alleviate some of this stuff. I'm all in. You've got me a supporter, no question about it. And I guess the, a general question for you um, as an elder statesman, per se, and I say that incredibly respectfully, looking at the times that we're living in, at the age of 55, a product of the streets of New York City, it's the first time in my life, Coach, that I can honestly say I find myself scared because it's so divisive. It appears to be so chaotic. And it's one thing where you see mayhem and you see so many things going on and there's a rationale and there's a rhyme or reason to it. Okay, let's address that problem so we can make our society better. There doesn't seem to be that right now. There doesn't appear to be any rhyme or reason to the kind of things that are happening, nor does there appear to be a willingness for people to band together, bipartisan, race, ethnicity, no matter, all of that aside, let's just come together to make society better. There doesn't seem to be this innate fervor to pull that off. That's how I feel. How do you feel? Well, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, it was like the incident here. There was no rhyme nor reason. You know, nobody affiliated with Michigan State. It wasn't anybody that, uh, you know, prof gave him a bad grade or, you know, somebody was involved in some other way. And, and yet, you know, we just played the game, Michigan, Michigan State, big rivals, yeah. you know, Hatfields and the McCoys. It's a hateful rivalry. It's what rivalries are supposed to be, you know? Correct. But I'll give the University of Michigan a lot of credit. Juwan Howard called me right when it happened. Um, they band together. They honored us there. Their big night, their big game. Um, they wore shirts. Uh, and I told you one after, I said, man, we should get our athletic directors and our presidents together and send them to Washington and maybe we get the Democrats and the Republicans on the same side. Because if Michigan and Michigan State can be on the same side on something like this, why can't the rest of our country? So I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of things are more political than they are what's right and wrong. You know, people always say as you get older, I'm sure they do to you. Well, that's old school. And I always say, no. It's not old school or new school. It's right school or wrong school. And right. uh, I think uh, what you're talking about is right school. And I, I think that uh, if it doesn't change, um, my daughter, you know, just recently found out she's going to have a little girl. And uh, congratulations. Fear, yeah. But I fear for my first grandchild. You know, yeah. I fear for a lot of people. I mean, when 
when you talk about being in a preschool and elementary school and you have to have a, a gun uh, seminars and escape seminars and I mean, what are we doing, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. it's not right. So I'm with you. I, I agree. And if there's something I can do before I'm done from here uh, with the platform I have, it it, it would be uh, to help our young people uh, have a better mm-hmm. chance to do what you and I have gotten to do. As, as we look at the college sports landscape, there were many times where I felt like college sports could play a pivotal role in assisting a movement towards better times. Now I find colleges, period, and college sports looking virtually helpless through no fault of the institutions or anything like that. It's just the world that we're living in And obviously people are matriculating to the world of college. You're supposed to be there to get your degree, but there's all types of reasons as rationale as to why people become violent, why people become upset, why they feel a bit, you know, desperate or whatever the case may be. There seems to be all of these excuses and the institutions of higher learning find themselves in situations where we're having to deal with stuff that we're just ill prepared for. Do you find that to be the case? on a collegiate level, from campus to campus throughout this country, just knowing what you know about the college landscape? Well, being a guy that stayed in college my whole time, my buddy Mariucci, you know, he went into pro football and I stayed in college. And uh, and I have been around a lot of campuses. I've been on all kinds of committees. I've done a lot of things. And I, I again, I couldn't agree with you more that it's, uh, it's a situation where uh, maybe we better start educating on life skills uh, more than we are on uh, trigonometry and, and biology. You know, I, I, I'm i all for getting higher and better educated, but I don't think we we have the skill level to handle the problems that we have to deal with uh, this day and age. And I think colleges have to make an adjustment on that, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And hopefully uh, we can help these kids in dealing with them. I I think accountability is still a big factor in this whole thing, you know, and the minute something goes wrong, it's like uh, we make rules to hold kids less accountable. And I don't think that's how you and I were raised. And uh, not at all. And I think accountability is still a big factor. Uh, the no rules and less rules. I mean, uh, I think sometimes hurt kids. I, I know this. If when I was 18, I could do what they do now, I'm not sure I'd be where I am now. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's always adjustments, but I think we've gone too far one way. I think there's still a lot of kids. I I once asked Magic when I looked at a couple NBA jobs, I said, could I coach in the NBA? And he said, definitely coach in the NBA. And I said, I really... And I laughed. I said, I have to adjust my style a little bit. He goes, oh, yeah, but you do. that's not a problem. He goes, the reason you could is because you're passionate for it because the greatest players want to be coached, want to be taught, want to be held accountable. Well, I think the greatest Americans, the greatest people want the same thing. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we can get back to that. Well, it's got to be about accountability and not apologies. You know, not, it's, just, it's, it's, just, it's just it's just that simple. I'm, I'm with you 1000 percent on that. Having said all of that, as we think about somebody like Tom Izzo, has it inspired you to stick around more 
Or does it make you contemplate leaving and walking away from all of this sooner than you would have anticipated? God, on a Sunday after a tough loss at Michigan, <laughs> you're, asking some, you're asking some tough questions. But, you know, after talking to guys like Mike Krzyzewski and Roy Williams and, you know, Tubby Smith the other day, I talked to him and uh, Jay Wright's a good friend. And, you know, uh, they're all telling me I got to hang in there, you know, but I said, well, then why'd you leave? Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, it has inspired me. I mean, we've been through some tough times here, you know, some things have happened over the last five or six years and then COVID and this, but uh, I, I think it's my job as a leader to lead and, uh, and I think leaders lead through tough times. The greatest leaders, you know, of the military or of the government, they don't lead during the great times. They lead during the tough times. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm not making fun of this. But when, when tough things come up, like a couple of years ago with the racial equalities in that, my staff, I, I'd always tell them, we got to listen to Stephen A., you know, he has a perspective on it. And I think you do. And uh, maybe I don't agree with every one of them. Maybe I do. But the, the cool part is I know it's from the heart and I know it's for the right reasons. And I think a lot of us in this country don't do things from the heart or make them for the right reasons. We make them for political reasons. I'm just not into that. So I'm hanging. I'm hanging right now, man. I'm still here. I want to win a national championship right. and have you at the parade. Well, listen, I can't rule it out. I'm looking at your numbers here in 2016, 2017. You were 20 and 15, made the NCAA tournament, but you had a 2016 record, 2015 record. The next year, you were 30 and 5, made the NCAA tournament. The year after that, you were 32 and 7 and made the Final Four. So I'm looking at you right now at 16 and 10, albeit a loss to Michigan, fresh off of that loss. You're still in the mix. You still got a chance to make the NCAA tournament. You still got a chance to make some noise. And if you're making some noise, I think that's a beautiful thing for college basketball. And I think that's a beautiful thing for our society because you've been in a position going through so much that you're going through that the higher you climb this season, coach, ultimately they're going to ask you a bunch of questions. They want to ask somebody who's not winning, who hasn't been there. And it'll give you an opportunity with that platform to say a lot of things that other coaches would love to say, but not necessarily have the opportunity to say. Do you think about that at all? I do. And it motivates me, just like you just said, you know, and the, the, the good thing about getting a little older, you get to the point where you could walk away. So you're not afraid to say things. I mean, you've never been afraid to say things. <laughs> but right. most of us are a little more guarded because where we work or what we do or, uh, you know, but as you get a little older, Judd used to call it the KMA stage. If you don't like it, you can kiss my melon, uh, if you That's get what right. I'm saying. I got, um, I got exactly what you're saying. And, uh, you know, so uh, there's nothing more I'd like to do and win in a year when uh, college basketball has been topsy-turvy. I mean, we're all going through a lot of different things right. um, with all the transfers and everything that's going on. There's not been as much stability, which mm -hmm. for some means good, others means bad. But I do agree with you. I think there's a lot of... There's a lot of really good teams. I don't know how many great teams there are. Mm -hmm. But once you get in that tournament, as North Carolina found out last year, I mean, I've been a seven seed and gotten to a Final Four. I've been a one right. seed and got beaten the first weekend. I kind of right. been everywhere. So I yeah. uh, I know how to, to get it done. We just got to make sure we get there and you're playing your best basketball at the end of the season.
This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Coach, how are you feeling about the state of college basketball at this particular moment? Like, for example, the NIL issue, the whole name image likeness thing has really been pervasive in the world of college athletics. We've been talking about it primarily in football, but I don't know definitively what kind of effect that has had on basketball. A G League player wins the slam dunk contest in, in McClung. Uh, he goes out there and wins the slam dunk contest. Who knows what that's going to do for the G League? Who knows how something like that could ultimately affect college basketball? I wonder how you're feeling about college basketball strictly from a sports standpoint at this particular moment in time in terms of where it is compared to what it was as recently as a few years ago? Well, I think if I was to be really honest with you, and I have to be with you because you'll call me out, but I, you know, some of the icons that have left that weren't just because of age, they left mm. because of problems, you know, and I think uh, college sports right now has some issues, uh, whether it's the NIL or the transfer rules or different things, maybe they're just adjustments. Maybe there are issues. You know, my friends all say to me as, hey, you're like pro basketball or pro football now. I said, no, we're not. They have salary caps and contracts. We don't have either one. And right. uh, that creates problems, you know. But what I've worried about, Stephen A., and I've said it to you five years ago, four years ago when it started, Kel Perry and I and Matt Painter were on committees. Um, I worry what it's going to do to the kids. Because uh, the ability to leave every time things get a little tough, wow, I'd have left here 150 times, you know. And right. uh, I don't think that's a good lesson to be teaching. It worries me. Um, but we'll see what the next couple of years but, bring. But what do you say to those that play devil's advocate and say, well, a coach can get up and leave for another job, which some have. Why shouldn't the kids be able to since the coaches can be able to? What's your response to that? You know, I've heard that. And uh, this is what I'll say. Um, first of all, most of us coaches that have that opportunity have buyouts too. You know, we don't just get the leave. I mean, uh, there was a couple of yeah. times I looked at NBA jobs. It would have cost me more than uh, <laughs> forever to leave, you know? Right. But right. second of all, you know, when you paid your dues, like I'm sure in your case, you got guys that want your job at 25 that, you spent all that time working on, um, you've kind of paid your dues. And it's it's like the process is supposed to be skipped now. And, yeah. and I would say this, because I know some people say that. Um, first of all, I, I'd have no problem. Make it harder on coaches to leave. Make the violence mm -hmm. bigger, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. I got no problem with that. Uh, I, I, don't, I have no problem with people saying that uh, we shouldn't be able to do that either to a certain extent. Uh, that's probably why I've stayed where I've stayed. But we're also 40, 50, and 60. We're not 20. And at 19 and 20, there are so many bad decisions made. I know I made a bunch. I'm only betting you to. made a few. You, no and, question. No question. And those are life-changing at that age. You know, like, like here would be my example the other way, if we could say it. So you go to four different schools like some of these guys are doing now. Then all of a sudden you're done and you didn't make it to the NBA or NFL and you got to go back to your college to get some help, you know? What would yeah. you do? Which college right. you going to? Let's That's see, right. I've been to Northern Michigan, Michigan State, UCLA, and uh, Penn. Who's going to help <laughs> me? Which one am I going right. to? 
Right. Where do I hang my hat? What reunions do I go back? There's so many unintended consequences to this. And most of the people that are transferring, they're not pros, mm. or they'd already be there because they can leave anytime they want here. Well, think about the issues that you're talking about, Coach. And I ask you this question. Uh, it's relatively sensitive because you're an insider. You've been a part of the coaching fraternity for me. You were assistant before you were the head coach uh, at, at Michigan State for the last 28 years or so. You know Mike Krzyzewski personally. You know Roy Williams personally. These are two of the greatest coaches in the history of college of college basketball. They walked away. I know you're still here, but they walked away. The kind of things that you're explaining, do you think that played a significant role in them saying, enough, I, I, I'm old enough, I've accomplished enough, let me live my life, let me walk into the sunset? And if you do believe that's a reason they walked away and they seem pretty happy with their decision, how tempting does that make it for you to say, you know something, I've done enough. Maybe I should, maybe it's time. Talk to me about that. I'm just an Italian immigrant, so I'm not as smart as those guys, you know. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I love where I'm at, and I'll, I'll say it to you like this: I still love my job. I love my kids. I I love spending the time. I I love getting to do the things I get to do. I love that part of it. I'm getting afraid of my profession, mm. if that makes any sense. I just you're getting know. afraid of your profession. Yeah, like. Like Mike Krzyzewski, one of the things he always thought, we needed a, a czar in basketball. You know, we needed somebody running us. The NCAA, you know, we need a commissioner of college basketball and maybe a commissioner of college football. Because the people that are voting on all these things are never in the basement with us. You know, they're mm. making recruiting rules. Well, they're never out yeah. on the recruiting road. They're right. making rules on, on uh, academic things, you know, well, they don't know where all these kids come from and what's going on. There's so many issues that I think coaches have gotten a a bad name. And like every other profession, including yours, there's some people that do your job that aren't, they don't spend the time to do your job. Right. And there's coaches that find, you know, Judd used to call it the 10 to 15% rule. Mm. 10 or 15% of police officers, priests, doctors, coaches, Teachers are bad people. That's just the way it is. There are 10 or 15%, but there's a lot of good people out there. And uh, and so I'm going to try to hang in there until the day when I don't enjoy what I do. I talk to Jay Wright a lot. You know, he's a guy that I thought was one of the best. He retired way too young. That's but, right. But uh, two-time national champion at Villanova. No question. And right, right in your old city there. And uh, – it was, uh, you know, it was shocking to me, but uh, it is getting harder because there's so many moving parts. It's almost like you never get a day off, you know, free agency. I talked to NBA and NFL guys, friends of mine, free agency here is every day, you know. So that means guys are coming and going. It's it's so transit. And I've been pretty fortunate. But uh, when the day comes when I don't feel like, you know, Given the job 100%, I'll be out. I promise you that. But right now, I got a few more things to accomplish. And I got a few more. I, I tell my players all the time, Stephen A., that I'm from a small town, Mariucci and I, 7,000 UP of Michigan. And getting the Michigan State job and winning national championship was a billion to one. That's mm. about what the odds are of one of my players making it to the league. And so uh, 
I live my dream. Now I get to help others live theirs. Before I let you get on out of here, I just got a couple of more questions before I let you go. I want to know how you're feeling about your team this year. I know you're 16 and 10. You've had better records, but damn it. I mean, they're still in the mix. There's no question about it. Um, I want to know how you're feeling about the team in the aftermath of losing to Michigan. Uh, we still talk about Michigan State. We still know that you're a team to be reckoned with. You've had some great, great teams in the past. The record doesn't say that about this team. But again, they're still in the mix. How are you feeling about them? You know, I, I am feeling good. I, I am. We just got one of our key guys back a couple weeks ago healthy. We've had a couple major injuries this year. It set us back a little bit. The Big Ten schedule has been brutal. You know, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. the league this year, there's, I don't think a lot of great teams. Purdue might be one of them. But boy, when you look at Rutgers out in your area, Maryland right now is playing really well. You know, mm-hmm. Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, Indiana, that's who we play next on Tuesday night. Uh, Mike Woodson. Mike Woodson. My buddy Mike Woodson. He's done a great job. Illinois, Iowa, we got them coming up. So there's a ton of teams that uh, are going to beat each other up. But, you know, what I'm trying to tell my players, I got a blueprint, man. When we get to that tournament, we just got to get there. and, And then, you know, you win a game, and then all of a sudden things start changing. And I've seen it happen. I mean, the year... The only year that one of my four-year teams didn't make it um, was, I think, 2013 or 14 when Kevin Ollie upset us in New York, in your area. That's right. right. Um, UConn. UConn in the Elite Eight. They went on to win the national championship. And, uh, you know, we were a high seed. We beat the number one seed, Virginia. They were a seven or eight seed, beat us. They won the national championship. You You saw North Carolina as an eight seed. So I don't think seeding matters as much anymore. Uh, it's are you ready to play? Do you have good guard play, which we have some good guards. Uh, in fact, we got two East Coast guards, a guy from New York and a guy from Philly. So uh, All right. when we get if we get there, you better be pulling for us. <laughs> I'll be there, Coach, no question about it. Listen, everybody talks about NBA players or we find ourselves talking about high school players. We don't talk enough about collegiate players. Who's the best player in college basketball in your estimation right now? Educate us, educate us on that. Wow. I'm telling you, this, this kid at Purdue is one of. I, we played against the Miller kid um, at Alabama, the freshman. He okay. was very impressive. Uh, 6'9", can do a lot of things. But Edie is such – I don't know if he's the best player, but he's the hardest player to play against. Mm. Uh, I, I think he's uh, really special. Uh, you know, Michigan's got a kid and Jawan Howard's son, Jed Howard, very okay. good player. I think one of the best freshmen in the league anyway. And But uh, I don't know. You know, we played against a lot of good teams, Kentucky and and uh, Gonzaga. And But uh, I think right now probably the kid at Alabama, Miller, might be the best. Mm. Before I let you get on out of here, my very last question is an NBA question, but you'll love this. You know, we've been watching the Golden State Warriors struggle a little bit. And I know that Draymond's had a tough year because of how he started off with the whole Jordan Poole situation. But he owned up to it. He manned up to it. And I respect you know how much you know how I feel about Draymond. And and he manned up. and, And I think that his leadership will really, really shine as the season wanes because he understands so much is on the line, not just for the Golden State Warriors, the reigning defending champions, but also him in a contract year per se. Uh, But I'm watching him play defense. He's still up there. He's still making an impact. 
And I'm thinking about another player of yours, formerly at Michigan State, Jaron Jackson Jr. I know Memphis has been struggling. They got to get their act together, especially now that Kevin Durant has arrived in Phoenix and Denver's been playing the way that they've been playing. But I'm going to ask you this, Coach. I'm going to put you on the spot. Defensive player, defensive prowess. Who you going with? Is that Jaron Jackson Jr. Who, who's prone to foul trouble, as Draymond pointed out? Or is it Draymond Green himself? <laughs> Two of your players, I mean, they both swear by themselves as defensive aces. Who are you going with, Tom Izzo? I thought is you were my friend. <laughs> I thought you were my friend. You know, the good news is I just talked to Jaron to wish him luck in the All-Star. Really proud of him. His mother is an incredible right. woman and dad, and they're so proud of him. And But the only reason I'm still going with Draymond, because I'm afraid he'll kill me if I don't, to be honest. <laughs> you know, he would. He would. That's Draymond. He'll, he'll, call, he'll call up and say, Coach, I know you didn't say that publicly. I know you didn't say that to the world. You didn't do, you didn't do that to me, Coach. No, I know you didn't do that to me. I know, That's Jer- what Draymond would do. Jaron will give me a little reprieve, but I still fear <laughs> Draymond, just like in those huddles back 15, 12 years ago. You know, I, I can tell you some stories about some huddles that would right. send you crazy, but I love them both. And uh, I do think... The Warriors get healthy, you know, but boy, the uh, Phoenix now, you know, one of my former walk-ons bought the Phoenix Suns. Um, and yeah. uh, I think, uh, you know, that was a big addition for them. But Memphis has been injury too. There's been so many injuries in the NBA, Stephen A., that I think uh, they'll all come back together in the next month. And when they do, I think you're going to see a lot of changes in the league uh, standings. Who's going to win it? Boy, I don't know. I I still have to say the Celtics maybe got the most experience yep. and solid players and two great players. Can't ignore Phoenix Endeavor, though. Can't ignore Phoenix Endeavor. Not not anymore. Not with him there. And Booker was a kid we recruited right till the end. And, Sensational. Uh, and I love their point guard. You know, he just he just stirs the drink, man. So Yeah, CP3. Yep. No doubt him. about it. Coach, very, very last question on a somewhat serious note. I'll tell you this. When Draymond did that to Jordan Poole, he knows it was wrong. He admitted it. He owned up to it. And I give him a lot of credit for that. So I'm not here to condemn him in any way. I'm here to do the exact opposite. I actually think I certainly wouldn't condone it. Certainly not giving the okay. But I actually think it's going to make him better. I actually think that it's going to make him, and it already has made him a bit more introspective about how he has to really compose himself before he reacts. Because you know he was prone to a lot of technical fouls and being emotional with the referees, and he's still going to be that guy. But in a roundabout way, I certainly, again, don't want to even come across as condoning what transpired. And Draymond wouldn't either. He wouldn't want us to. You know that. But I actually think that ultimately in the waning years of his career, I think it's going to help Draymond tremendously. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I think sometimes when you hit, not rock bottom, but when you hit bottom or something happens that really um, changes your outlook on life. And and that was an interesting time for Draymond. I mean, I talked to him more than a few times and the people out there. And I know Jordan Poole recruited him a little bit, but he was from the same school as Jaron Jackson. So uh, I spent time with Jordan. But, you know, the one thing I, I don't think people give Draymond enough credit for is he can seem crazy, but he's very, very intelligent. And uh Highly. And Highly. really, really is. And and you know, man enough to admit when he made a mistake, but also 
I think man enough to start figuring out as we all get older, we all mature a little bit more. And I think you could be right. And uh, I hope so, because I want him to finish on a strong note, because he's really had an incredible career. You think of where he started. What time champion. Yeah. Yeah, he really has. And and uh, I think uh, there's going to be a lot ahead for Draymond and maybe that uh, helped give him a different perspective on things, like you said. So I, I'd have to agree with you, which I do most of the time. I'm going to start thinking about a few things I don't agree with you on. I'm going to call you on him. How's that? There you go. I think Draymond's got a chance to end up staying in Golden State because I think that the 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 level of productivity and 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 maturity that they expected from the Kamingas of the world and others hasn't necessarily arrived yet, and they already moved on from Jonathan Wiseman. So I think that if you're the Golden State Warriors, how can you move on from Draymond Green in light of? the fact that other dudes haven't seemed ready to step up, but that's just me. Well, you know, that's just me, coach. You, you see it all the time. Uh, you know, great players don't win championships. It's great teams. And one thing that guy is, boy, he is a, he, he does have the ability to bring a team together. You know, sometimes it's in different ways, but yeah. I'm telling you, when it comes winning time in that tournament, uh, as, as they start the playoffs, um, he mm. just has a knack and the will yeah. to win that's special. And uh, mm. so I, I'm going to be anxious to see how it goes. And uh, I'm sure somewhere, either there or, you know, a couple of other places like Memphis or maybe now Phoenix, um, I'll get to see you on the sidelines like I do most of the time when our there season's done and I get to visit the NBA. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, listen, Draymond certainly has learned from the best. He's learned from a man that's going – 682 and 277 over a span of 28 seasons, 71.1 winning percentage, seven final fours, a national championship, one of the greatest coaches to have ever graced college basketball, the one and only Coach Tom Izzo from Michigan State. Thank you so much for your time, Coach. I really, really appreciate it, and I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much. Stephen All the best a. to everybody at Michigan State, by the way. I appreciate you, man, and what you do for, for this country. So keep up the good work. I'll be watching. Thanks a lot, buddy. We'll talk soon. Did you know that last year the S&P 500 went down 20%? Bitcoin went down almost 60%. But gold not only didn't lose money, but went up a few percentage points. So far this year, gold has been steadily rising and silver is up almost 30% in the last six months. Experts predict gold will continue to skyrocket this year and you don't want to miss out. That's because gold protects you from inflation and market volatility. Gold and silver should be a part of every balanced investment portfolio. Legacy Precious Metals is the company I trust when it comes to investing in precious metals. What I like about LPM is they have an education first approach. Making investing decisions can be overwhelming, but their team takes the time to answer all of your questions and give recommendations based on your personal situation. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? It's always wonderful talking to the great coach Tom Izzo. He's had his struggles, his trials, and tribulations at Michigan State. I've known him for many, many years. Um, obviously, I have a personal relationship, and it was great, great. It was just a great thing to be able to talk to him. Unfortunately, you don't want to talk to him under these kind of circumstances. Watching him lose to Michigan 
over the weekend, heated rivalry, but just talk about being proud of his players, being able to show up and compete because of the distractions that have been permeating their every move. Um, you understand what he's feeling. You understand that these are very, very trying times and it's kind of inexplicable to say the least. But I tell you what's great. It's great to hear a coach be so socially and politically conscientious that he's speaking about things that need to be done and how all of us need to come together and be a voice uh, for change for the better. How society as a whole is in desperate need of assistance and people who are in a position to provide that level of assistance should be eager to do so. He's not somebody that's shying away from the challenges that that may, that may entail. Neither am I. Neither is Irvin Magic Johnson. Neither are a host of professional and collegiate athletes, administrators, university officials, and then some. Because let's face reality, in order for this world to become a better place again, it's going to take a collective effort. And I got news for you. It's going to have to transcend race. We all know racism exists. We all know prejudice exists and whatever. But you know something? It ain't even about that now. Black folks are getting shot. White folks are getting shot. Asians are getting shot. Latinos are getting shot. People are getting killed left and right. And there seems to be no rhyme or reason to it. It's like, damn, we're, living in the, we're literally living in the book of Revelations, for crying out loud. For those of you who have a religious bone in your body, to which there are many, we've got to do something about it. And so for me, it's not about Tom Izzo, who's an elder statesman, hearkening back to a better time. It's not about Stephen A., who's 55 years of age, hearkening back to a better time. It should be, you should be 20 years old, hearkening back to a better time. Because times was better than this two years ago, four years ago, five years ago. It's hell out here. And we've all got to come together to do something about it. So I appreciate Tom Izzo enlightening us and reminding us about, about that point. Because it's a message we all need to take heed to. That's all I'll say for now. But damn it, we'll know, we all know I'll have a lot to say in the days, in the weeks, and the months to come. I'm just getting started. That's what I'm here for. It's just that simple. I always say you don't have to know sports to know mercy. This is just the latest example of that. But you know something else? Isn't it amazing that people in the world of sports know mercy too? Tom Izzo epitomized that message. And I appreciate it. Thanks to my producers. Thanks to the listeners. Thanks to everybody involved. Until next time, everybody. Thanks again to Tom Izzo, especially. Peace and love, y'all. Talk to you soon. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcast.